You know, life does hand us adversity from time to time. But God's mercy endures forever. Mercy, mercy, mercy. 88.1 WHOV welcomes you to the pastor's study. The pastor's study in your church or any church is a place where the pastor goes to collect his thoughts, hear from God, study God's Word, and develop ideas and thoughts on the direction the church needs to take in leading others to Christ. The pastor's study is where the road to salvation is paved, the mysteries of the Bible revealed. The pastor's study on WHOV is a talk show that allows you, the listener, to come inside to find out more about the ministries of the gospel in the area and the good works they're doing across the region, the nation, and the world. Now, here's your host, Pastor Kevin Swan of Ivy Baptist Church in Newport News. The pastor's study is now open to the public. So come on in and find out God's plan for your life and his people. It's another beautiful Tuesday afternoon. We say welcome to the pastor's study here on WHOV. This is the essence of HU 88.1 WHOV. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule To listen to our broadcast, Pastor John Young of Empowered Believers is with us also live in studio. Pastor Young, how are you doing today? I am marvelous. God is blessing, and I am excited to be on this side of the land of the living. (laughs) That's preacher talk right there. (laughs) We're glad that you're here with us. And uh, Pastor Ray Johnson, also of Calvary Revival Church Peninsula, is not with us. He's still vacationing which is a good thing because uh, we're going to jump right in uh, and pick up where we left off. Don't have um, one of the guests that we normally have today, so we get more opportunity to talk about this subject, which from what I understand has has generated a lot of attention, and we talked about it last week. Uh, And there was an article in the New York Times August 1st by a man named Paul Vitello, and the title of the article is Taking a Break from the Lord's Work. And again, we started this conversation last week, so we're really picking up where we left off. And basically what the article says is that uh, in the findings of recent years uh, that pastors or members of clergy now suffer from obesity, hypertension, and depression at rates that are higher than most Americans. In fact, in the last decade, clergy's use of antidepressants has risen while their life expectancy has fallen. And many in clergy, if they had the opportunity to change jobs, they would if they had that opportunity. Uh, Once again, uh, they say that there's no simple explanation why so many members of clergy are now and have become so unhealthy and so unhappy, so unhappy. And so, Pastor Young, again, when you first read this article last week, what was the first thing that came to your mind? You know, the part that stands out to me more than anything is that last part that you uh, discussed, how there's clergy out there that if they had the opportunity they would change career fields because, um, you know, the truth is, is that, and as, as you know, you know, this is absolutely a labor of love, but it's still labor. But with that being said, you know, I just couldn't imagine, um, you know, being in this and, and you have to ask yourself, what did they mean by if I had the opportunity? Did that mean if I could provide for my family another way? And if that meant that the only reason they're in it is because this is the only way they could provide for their family, that means they're in it for the money. And even if they didn't start out that way, if they ended up that way, I definitely believe that's the wrong reason to stay in it. And, and I agree, but I do think that there probably are some who, you know, are in the position you where you are in life. And, and, you know, like any job, you know, you find yourself at a place, do you want to make a transition or not? But we understand that we don't have jobs. It really is a calling, but there are a lot of responsibilities. But one of the things that we wanted to do was to talk to someone 
that could lend more experience, you know, lend more guidance in this subject. Uh, we're relatively new in, in the field of pastoring. And so I wanted to bring on someone who could uh, talk to us, who's pastored a longer period of time and been in ministry a great deal longer to, to see if, in fact, this article really is is justified. And so I couldn't think of anybody else but to bring on uh, my very own pastor, Pastor Jerome Barber of Six Mount Zion, fresh off of vacation. Pastor Barber, how you doing today? Hold on one second here. Let me see if we got you here. Pastor, are you there? Okay. We're, we're having a couple of technical difficulties here. We're going to see if we can get Moose in. I'm not sure if um, we can hear, but um, we, we certainly want to see if we can uh, get him connected with us. But again, as we, as we are discussing, it, it certainly is... Uh, a, a tremendous challenge that w what you find in, in ministry uh, that with all of the demands and, and all of the scheduling and all of the things that happen uh, in a given moment, uh, it, it can be very stressful. And, and so when you look at this particular article and, and what it says also is that one of the great challenges of clergy and what a growing number of healthcare experts and religious leaders have settled on is that there's one touchy subject among many clerics, and, and that is not taking enough time off. And so, um, you know, again, there's this struggle here, Pastor Young, that we have about just not getting enough time, a break away from, from the ministry and the mental strain and the mental demands. And so talk to us a little bit about that. You know, do, do you think that that is important? You know, we, we talked last week about the fact that sometimes we wrestle with taking time off. And I think we know and understand the value of it. But the article really suggests that we should take considerable time away, three to four weeks at a time. And uh, how comfortable are you in that aspect of taking that amount of time off? You know, I think um, most pastors are undercover control freaks. You know, we, 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 real, we, we feel like, whether it's true or not, that, you know, if, if we don't do it, it ain't going to get done right and all of that kind of stuff. And the truth is, is that that's just not the case. Uh, different uh, isn't necessarily less efficient. And so just because um, someone doesn't do it the way we would do it doesn't necessarily mean it isn't done right. I think we have to, to do everything in our power to become results-oriented leaders to where, you know, even if, even if the people that we can delegate things to don't do it the way we do it or don't do it as timely as we do it or as by our definition as efficient as we can do it, the bottom line of it is is that, you know, if, if you want to uh, really continue to be effective long-term, uh, in ministry. Uh, and like you said, you know, long-term for us isn't, uh, you know, we're, we're just going around the block a couple of times. We've both been in ministry many years before pastoring, but the bottom line of it is, is that I, I believe pastoring years is like dog years, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, it's been five years for me and, and somewhere around that for you. Right. Yep. And so that we've been pastoring about 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least your body feels that way. <laughs> you know, I know with age and all that kind of thing, but, you know, I, I really do. And I'm, and I'm hoping we can work through these technical difficulties to, to get with Pastor Barber. So, Pastor, if you can hear us, please uh, stay on until we can get, it, get that worked out. But um, just, just the, the strain and, and the demand of, of ministry, just, just the, the mental aspect and all of the things that come with it, it, it is a, a, a real struggle. And, and so, you know, I don't, I don't know... Um, how people who have been in it longer than us 
you know, how do you maintain that sense of balance and all that kind of thing? And so it, it, it really is uh, a challenge. And so now I think we got past. Pastor, are you, are you there now? I am here. Okay, now we got you. <laughs> Still trying to work this board, man. Pastor Bob of Six Mile Zion, how you doing today, man? I'm fantastic. I'm great. Uh, I'm grateful. I was I was thinking that big introduction. I didn't know if whether to say uh, thank you or oh my, that means I'm old. I just no, you're not old. You're, you're seasoned, <laughs> man. That's what it is. You have wisdom. Pastor right? Young says dog ears. I don't even want to count. <laughs> <laughs> He he said that I didn't say that, Pastor. I just want you to know you heard it. You heard he said it. That's that's a new perspective. <laughs> but but Pastor, we do want to get your perspective because obviously, um, you know, you've been in ministry for I, I believe over I know over twenty years, and and so been pastoring for for over twenty years. And you know, the question that I asked before before we had the technical difficulties in in looking into days times as a pastor and all of the responsibilities, do you think that the demands of pastoring are greater now, less or the same as it was when you first started? Uh, it, it, it is a whole lot more uh, intensive. It's it's a more draining. Um, it, it, it requires a whole lot more. You, you as a pastor today, in order to pastor uh, people of today, um, have to be almost everything. And, uh, I mean, back in the day when I first got started, um, as technology was not as advanced as it was, um, there weren't a whole lot of things that drew other people's attention away from from church. Now you you are, um, there's a lot of competition out there. And, um, you know, there are a lot of expectations that are put on passes. Um, There's a lot of pressure. that that is there and and it is truly um it can drain you by itself but then living in the society that we're living in i mean i'm seeing things now on you know how to effectively pastor on the social network i'm like wow you know it's bad it's challenging enough pastoring those you can see now you're pastoring folks you'll never see (laughs) (laughs) pastor barbara one of the things that that um uh I thought about, and, and for those in our listening audience that hasn't had the privilege of, of meeting uh, Pastor Barber, uh, he's a handsome young man, but he's bald-headed. And, 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 and I, I, these five years, I've gotten a lot more gray hair than I had before. So is, is that the trick to just, you know, to, to shave yourself bald so you hide that? As close as you possibly can get it. That's, it's by choice. All right. Well, well, one of the things we talked about last week, Pastor Barber, was that um, I, I believe pastors have to have some kind of outlet. Uh, I know Pastor uh, Swan and I work out and those kinds of things because they talked about obesity and those kinds of things. But you've, you've managed to pl- uh, to stay uh, trim and fit. You know, at least you look real good in your suit. You know what I mean? Uh, Big suit. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do uh, and what could you recommend to, to uh, younger people, not just that are pastors, but younger people in ministry that, that are get, getting caught up uh, in, in, in the throes of ministry and abandoning uh, the opportunity to get an outlet, whether it be vacation or, yeah. or other means when, when you can't afford or take the time to take a vacation? Yeah, you, you've got to, first of all, if you don't take care of yourself, you're no good to anybody else. 
Um, there are a lot of demands, lots of demands, and um, I mean the pressures are great. Um, this is something that you don't walk away from. It's not a job. You don't, you can't clock out of this. Your mind, you can't shut your brain down. Your mind's going constantly. Um, you've got to force yourself to really take care of yourself. I, I, I uh, my, my dad uh, is struggling with Alzheimer's now, and um, I got a book from a friend of mine, and the book title says, um, put your oxygen mask on first. And where it comes from is um, when you're flying in an airplane, and both of you quite know the, the, the spiel. You probably are either reading or sleeping when the people give all the safety precautions. But they say that if uh, cabin pressure should decrease for any reason, an oxygen mask will appear. And it says if you're traveling with someone who requires assistance, this is what it says, put your oxygen mask on first and then help the person next to you. And it was like a light came on. As I'm reading this book, I realized that, you know, part of uh, this disease process my dad's dealing with um, is a progressive one. And so you really don't know what's going to happen when you see him or how quick it goes from phase to phase. But if, if I don't take care of myself, then I'm really no good for my dad. Amen. And, and if I don't do all I need to do to really refresh myself, then um, then it'll be two of us needing some help. And, and I think with pastoring, uh, you've you got to put your oxygen mask on first. Um, the, the Word of God is, is what you use to communicate uh, God's mind and heart, but it's also what you need to use to refresh yourself and really find that strength for yourself. Uh, you you got to be selfish at times, and uh, that's what I found. I, I work out. Um, I do it. Uh, if the sun rises, then I'm out. How far do I walk? I have no idea. I just like walking in the morning. I like to see the sun rise. I think part of it is mental for me. I like to see something happen that I have no control over. <laughs> and it happens all the time. Yeah, I know that's right. We're talking with Pastor Jerome Bob of Six Mile Zion Baptist Temple here in Hampton and talking about uh, the New York Times article, Taking a Break from the Lord's Work, August 1st by Paul Vitello. And, and Pastor, you know, again, going back to where we are now compared to how you started, you know, one of the things that the article said is that there was a pastor in the study group that they interviewed who hadn't taken a vacation for 18 years. Oh, my God. And and that, the, you know, the article is also suggesting that pastors should take four weeks off consecutive. Now, now last week, Pastor Young and I said we, we weren't sure if we, <laughs> we we could leave for four weeks and, yeah. and, and come back <laughs> to a church. Yeah. So you, you may be more experienced in this. I mean, do you feel at your stage of the minute that, that you could first, first of all, that sentiment of, of not taking a vacation for 18 years, was that when, when you were coming in, was that kind of the, the reality for pastors that, you know, you got to get in and you stay, you don't leave. And have you seen that change over the years? Yeah, I've definitely seen it change over the years and it's changed for the good. That was the thought process. Uh, I remember when I first came to Six Mount Zion, uh, I preached 52 Sundays straight, <laughs> 52. Um, and it was just like, it's interesting because, you know, even though the people don't show up, they call to see if you're there. Right. And, right. and they go on vacations, and it, it's the whole guilt thing that people put out, you know, like, you know, how can you take a vacation 
Um, and, and that's partly because they're more concerned about their needs than your needs. And I tell them all the time, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to burn this candle at both ends uh, any longer. It makes a pretty frame, but it just doesn't last too long. And, you know, um, that just for me to work hard and then drop dead somewhere and for them to say nice words and eat chicken and find somebody else to do this, <laughs> you know, you, you've got to, there is life uh, beyond pastoring. I, I believe a person can preach all his life. I just don't think he can pastor all your life. Uh, because of the great demands uh, that that are put on you, and um, you know it, it's it's a draining work. Even Jesus, uh, several times you saw him pulling away, pulling aside, uh, because this can get the best of you, and you've got to have some kind of 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 release. Uh, I, I found out um, that uh, that recreation and and recreation are spelled the same. Right. They have the same spelling. And so, you know, you, you, your body was not designed to go with without any rest. And once you put yourself in that particular situation, whether it's pastoring, whether it's being a doctor, whether it's a lawyer, no matter what the profession, I mean, even, um, and, and they're pretty much cutting edge as far as uh, business and and leadership in business, but uh, in Japan, man, they have actually created this time where you can take a nap during the day. During the day, um, I receive that. Yes, Lord, <laughs> I receive that. Uh, and, uh, I'm appreciating naps. I know that's uh, right. More and more because you've got to you get you don't get the best of yourself. I saw an illustration, and I actually was I preached uh, uh, last month, this month, uh, actually from Jeremiah 20. <laughs> where Jeremiah had gotten to a point where he said, that's it, I quit. You know, I'm, I'm, this is my letter of resignation. I'm not going to make mention of your name any longer. And then what he says is that as I sat there and pondered, the word was like fire shut up in my bones. And the, the, the illustration that helped me in that process is an oil lamp. And I know a lot of people can't relate to this because we don't pretty much don't use oil lamps today. But the concept of the oil lamp is this. Uh, that there is a wick that is dipped in the oil. Now, the thing you got to realize is two things. Number one, the wick is flammable. I mean, it can light and burn by itself. But then the oil is also flammable. And so if the wick was outside of the oil and you set it on fire, it would burn up. But if you took the same wick and stuck it in the oil, it would only draw the oil, and the oil would be what was burning, and the wick would not be consumed. And I think what's happened is that we've not found that oil. We've not found ourselves in that place to be refreshed to where it's not us that's burning up, but it's us that's burning in. And, and that's where the passion comes. Uh, that's where this is not a job, it's a joy. Um, you know, you're able to do things that others aren't able to do because this is what God made you to do. Uh, but yet there has to be that time where you're saturated and soaked and always finding that place of refreshing. Whatever 
refreshes you, whatever uh, causes you to be recreated, uh, whatever restores your soul. I was talking to a friend of mine. He does pastoral counseling. And uh, you got to watch guys like that because they'll try to, you know, diagnose you on the side. And so we were having a conversation, and he asked me a question. He says, Psalm 23 says, he restores my soul. He says, what restores your soul? And I was like, wow, that's an interesting question because I've been going through some things. What I realized after our conversation is that I wasn't being restored. I was just being refueled. What I was doing was just getting enough gas in me to go one more Sunday. But I hadn't found that place where God could really bring restoration to me. And that takes time. That takes time alone. That takes time with your family. Uh, that takes time reflecting. That takes time working through your own challenges and situations. And until we get to that point, you know, that wick will burn up. Yes, it will. Because it's not in the oil. Absolutely right. And. Great, great wisdom, uh, Pastor. We we certainly appreciate it. We're, we're almost out of time. I do want to ask you that one last question, real quick, about the four weeks, um, because you know we we wrestle with it. Being young, and, and you say, "Can you go away?" Um, I guess you could go away, but do you really want to go away for four weeks? Right. Um, being in ministry now and pastoring, do you feel like you could not not for ministry's sake, not not that you're going because I know you you can you've gone and it's been missions oriented, but that's still ministry. But do you feel like you could go away, you could leave the church for a period of time for this restoring for an extended period of time? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't personally. I, I it wouldn't work for me. After about a week, I'd be yeah. I'd be climbing the walls, driving my wife crazy. I, what I try to do is find time every day. And out of the 24 hours I have in that day, um, you know, I, I know eight are re needed for rest. Um, there's another eight that you normally do for work, eight to ten. And so there's six to eight hours that you can do something of restorative nature. And I think it's, it's when, you do, when you do this every day, um, whether it's ten minutes, whether it's 15 minutes, whether, you, you know, whatever it is, you just kind of shut everything down and just um, put yourself in that oiled situation. Um, uh, you know, I think vacation is important, getting away. Um, you know, there's a lot of demands that ministry puts on you that take you away from your family. I think family is important during that time of vacation. Um, four weeks, that's that's an awful long time. That That is, and yeah. I think we all said the same thing. And, and But somebody called in and said, you know, well, why couldn't you take four weeks? And then we had some folks to say that, you know, pastors shouldn't take vacation at all. They, oh, they no, should no. stay in. And no. so I, I don't believe the at all piece. You know, I think the, 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 the article may be a little culturally biased. You, you, you're being kind. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't think, I, well, I'll be a nice on the radio here. For, I don't think us. you can stay away <laughs> no, you from <laughs> congregations of our our makeup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not for four weeks. Well said, Pastor. I appreciate it. That's Pastor Jerome Barber of Six Mount Zion. Pastor, thank you so much for coming on and, and lending your insight to us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Stay in that oil. Don't burn up, burn in. Absolutely right. So we appreciate that. And uh, again, thank you for coming on. We're going to take a, a quick break here. And uh, when we come back on the other side of the break, we'll take your calls and do a follow-up again on this topic of, of pastors and, and clergy and burnout and um, helping your pastor to understand the value of rest and, and teaching that to the congregation. We hope you're enjoying the show. This is The Essence of HU. 
88.1 WHOV. Listen, Eden is kingdom, and Eden mindset is a kingdom mindset. Let me hear ya. Where my Eden citizens at? Where my Eden citizens at? Where you at? And welcome back to the Pastor's Study. This is the essence of HU 88.1 WHOV. If you're just tuning in, you missed a wonderful interview with Pastor Jerome Barber of Six Mount Zion, who came on and talked to us, been in ministry for a number of years, and just talking about the importance of, of rest and balance, things that probably the average member in the congregation doesn't maybe think about when they come to church. Maybe they have their own issues and, and challenges, but if a pastor's fatigued, Pastor Young, if a pastor is, is having emotionally drained, mentally drained, obviously that has some level of impact on the congregation. Absolutely. And I, I think it's, it's real important that, that we not only, um, uh, like Pastor Swan mentioned on the break, you know, we not only need to uh, educate our congregations on the importance of that, but uh, our, co- our, our co-laborers in the gospel that are pastors, we have to rise to the occasion to where we trust God to a greater degree and recognizing that, you know, this, this is bigger than us. You know, the, the vision is bigger than the visionary. And, and if we were to fall off the map somewhere, it's not like this, the, the church is going to crumble without us. So, you know, we have to trust God. And you made a very valid point. I think all of our uh, cohorts in the gospel need to remember. It, it is. We have to trust God. And I think it goes back to what you said in the beginning. You know, there, there's a measure of control that I think pastors have or like to have. And the thought is, is that when we leave, some aspect of that may be lost and you just don't know how the service is going to go and all those kinds of things. But we do need to be reminded that uh, the house is God's house and not ours. And and we have to trust that even in our absence. And I do believe, uh, and, and John Maxwell, uh, the guru on leadership, said this in one of his books. He said, you know, the real measure of leadership is not what happens when you're present, it's what happens when you're absent. And so if things can continue forward and move forward, uh, even in your absence, that's the best sign that you are leading effectively. So that gives us even more reason why it is necessary on some occasions that we do leave. Um, we do want to open up the phone lines and hear from you. 727-5711. Once again, 727-5711. I would be interested to hear other pastors, other people in ministry, maybe not clergy necessarily. Maybe you're a deacon or officer of the church. You have demands as well. And, uh, you know, is this issue hitting home for you. We, we certainly want to hear from you, but we do have a caller on the air. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Outstanding. I um, wholeheartedly, I, I'm in total agreement with um, everything that uh, both of you have said, and I, I think Pastor Barber um, made a very, very sage and savvy comment in that you all in the clergy at times definitely need to be selfish and by that i mean not only take a vacation but get out of town when you take a vacation and i say that because most of you uh don't have the luxury of anonymity i you know i've seen you guys you're counseling folk at the gas station people come up to you wherever they see you and that that's well and good but I think at times you guys need a total refreshment, and I think it's healthy, and I think it's good, not only good leadership, but good stewardship for you guys to kind of get away where people don't know your name and just have a 
rejuvenating time. I think that's healthy. I think we're all better for it when you do that. Thank you for the call. We appreciate the time. And, and yes, I agree to that. Uh, and I'll just give you an anecdote real quick. You know, I think we told you we went on vacation um, and, and went to the islands. And, and lo and behold, even on the island, we ran into somebody <laughs> that, that, that we knew. <laughs> so so uh, I think the greater challenge isn't necessarily the anonymity as much as it is. Can we turn our phone off? You know, and, and you know, can you turn the BlackBerry off? And, and can you not answer your email? Because you can be on vacation, but if your phone is on, f- folks are still going to call you. They're still going to email you, and you still are going to want to be connected. So I, I would think the greater issue is the issue of the phone. Pastor, would you agree to that? I agree. You know, uh, we we have started to call um, the blackberries, the crackberries uh, around where I'm from, <laughs> because the truth is, is that, you know, it, it does become uh, uh, addicting the 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 idea of just being there and even if we are well-intentioned uh, 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 pastors and leaders in the church we are doing our families and our congregations a disservice by not uh, aggressively looking for ways to really disconnect and recharge so that when we come back you know there's been times that I've come back in my congregation uh, and 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 my leaders are saying you know hey you know we, we need to send you away more often you know because you come back with a new fire you know I I, I can feel those those times when I've left and then and 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 came back and had a new surge and a new uh, enthusiasm and passion for ministry and it comes out it's intangible but people can feel it and see it you're absolutely right and if you're just tuning in we're in part two of our discussion we started this last week of a recent article in the New York Times August the 1st by a person named Paul Vitello who basically says that clergy the clergy today and at least in his study are, are suffering more than the average person in our country, higher rates of hypertension, diabetes, taking antidepressants at a higher rate. Uh, and if they had the opportunity to change jobs for many clergy, if they had the opportunity, they would, in fact, change jobs. And so, um, you know, we, we're trying to make sense of this is, is how do we balance? Should congregations be more understanding and, and accepting of time off for pastors uh, all of these issues that sometimes impact uh, our congregations and the overall health of our congregations. Uh, so we do want to take your call. Seven two seven five seven one one is the number. We do have another caller on the air. Caller, are you there? Uh, yes. Hi. As um, part of the congregation, I, I totally agree with what you all are saying. Um, the pastors definitely need to get away. And if the words out of my mouth when they come back, if they've got this new fire. And I think also it would be a good idea, depending on the youth leadership that they have in church, when those pastors go away, they could say, for instance, they take a summer vacation, uh, leave it to the youth. In other words, let the youth have a so-called vacation within the church. Um, Their services, activities, of course, with uh, uh, an elderly or someone uh, older member of the clergy, of course, overseeing it, but so that the pastors and the people directly associated with him can, especially the pastor, can get away and just do the pastor and his family. And even the pastor have a separate phone for just the family. So that way he could turn off the business phone and still have his personal phone for his personal friends, family, business, not even necessarily business, but personal, personal business. Um, but it's definitely important that they get away and that the 
church is still active, especially, uh, like I said, and give, and give the youth chance to take over and exercise what they have learned and received from our clergy also. Okay. And that's basically all I wanted to, to definitely point out. Okay, thank you for the call. We appreciate the time. Thank I think the reality is, Pastor Young, regardless of who you get to fulfill the role in your absence, I think whoever you get, and we talked about this off the air, obviously the biggest thing is getting somebody you can trust and, and somebody that you know has earned the trust of the congregation as well so that in your absence people do have a comfort level with whomever is is put in position. And I think that's the greater issue um, that we face. You know, there could be people who might not be as gifted and talented, but if if there's a sincerity about them, if there's a trust level with the congregation, I think you can say it makes it a little bit easier for pastors to take vacation. Absolutely. And, you know, in, in this area, I just have to say, you know, that, that, you know, I am blessed. I think I shared with you that we have, you know, um, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 preachers uh, at our church, you know, that just came from everywhere, preachers and, and very capable preachers. And, you know, I've got an assistant that, that I, you know, I, I believe has done the work, put the work in to, uh, to earn the, the, uh, the uh, respect and the, and the trust of the congregation. Cause we talked about last week, we can give somebody a position, but we can't give them the confidence of the people, the trust of the people. They have to earn that. And uh, that's what I encourage my, my leaders to do, to, to, to put in the work that I did. Uh, they didn't just start uh, loving me and respecting me because I said I'm pastor. No, they did that because uh, one teardrop at a time we got together and we worked through their issues and the things that they were struggling with to the point to where now they, they, they've, they've earned the confidence, the same confidence that I have. And, and that certainly makes it a lot easier for me. Uh, my issue is just getting over my own self and finding creative ways to finance uh, vacations and those kinds of things. Absolutely. And so once again, we, we want to hear from you, 727-5711. We, we do have some folks, uh, by and large, that have agreed with our assessment. But uh, we were told last week that there were a couple of people that said, you know, uh, pastors need to stay in the pulpit and, and because it's a call of God and, and it's an act of duty. <laughs> that that we stand up every Sunday and, and, and proclaim the message. And so because we are a balanced show, we welcome those comments as well for folks who, who don't think that, you know, who do come from a different era, who believe and were raised that, you know, when you're pastoring, you, you, you pastor and you, you don't take time off. And, and, and Pastor Young, I know that, uh, you know, growing up, you might have seen some of that, you know, or just, just folks who, you know, it was a given every Sunday, no matter what, if I'm gonna go away, I'm gonna make sure I'm back in church on Sunday morning, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna declare the word and all those kinds of things. Well, what kind of what kind of message do you think that that sent to the congregation? You know, what what kind of message do you think it sends? Uh, even hearing Pastor Bob say, you know, he preached for 52 weeks consecutively. Is that the right kind of message that we as pastors should be giving our congregation, or or should time off be used as a way and a lesson to say you do? and need to have balance in your life. Uh, I think I think we cripple our our leadership and our congregation uh, when we don't delegate because uh, let's face it you mentioned this uh, last week and it was a very good uh, uh, comment that most congregations want to hear their pastor. I mean, bottom line is that you know whether whether that uh, other preacher is good or not, 
They want to hear their pastor. That's why they're there. And so they will tolerate for a certain amount of time another minister getting up to give their pastor a break. But when it's all said and done, they want to hear their pastor. But the truth is, is that even if the minister that that, uh, stands in for the pastor isn't good, how do you get better? You can teach people a lot of things, but the one thing you can't teach anybody is experience. They've got to get experience to get better. And so we've got to sit back, observe them, listen to the DVD or, or, or CD from when we were away and what they did, sit them down and help them to develop their ministry to the point to where they're even more effective. And uh, that takes time. It definitely takes time. And, and you have to, that's part of the discipling process is that, you know, you do have to work with people until they get it. And so once again, we do want to hear from you, 727-5711. But I want to ask you this question before we go to the phone line. Pastor Barber said, kindly that the article was was of perhaps a a different ethnic group <laughs> what what then why is it then within our group is there a greater expectation that that pastors should be connected to the congregation what why is it within our churches <laughs> that this high and, and oftentimes unrealistic expectation is placed upon the, you know, I want you to think about that. We're going to go to the call, and then I'm going to get your answer when we come back. But caller, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Go ahead and state your comment, please. Well, basically, I, I'm listening to y'all. It's real nice that everybody's coming on. If we can always try to go back to Word and line it up with the Word, because sometimes we deviate from that and we just go on our own understanding of what we think should be done or what I saw my... My, my forefather or my pastor or bishop do, in the mindset of saying, like, with um, on the seventh day he rested, so we're lining it up with words. So that gives us confirmation that, yeah, it is good for us to rest. After, you know, you started this congregation or this ministry, and men, you need you need to rest. Now, for how long, it, you know, I say always line it up with words. So I'm listening to y'all, and I'm basically waiting for y'all to line Scripture up with what y'all are saying, even on both ends where, no, it's not good for the pastor to be alone. I'm thinking about the disciples or the apostles. When they went out and they started the churches or they wrote the letters to, uh, you know, Corinthians, Philadelphia, all this about the issues they were facing um, inside their congregation and what they needed to do. So if y'all can maybe bring some scripture to it, that probably will help a lot because as long as we stand on the true deity of the word, Clarity should be coming much for everyone who's listening, which have their own opinions of, no, I'm not in agreement, or yes, I am in agreement. Okay. Thank you, sir, for the call. We appreciate it. Okay. And certainly, if you study the pattern of Jesus, if you want to go to the to how he discipled the 12, there, there are several times in Scripture where it says that, you know, he gave an assignment and, and then he went away. Um, even in fact, uh, the one story that comes to mind quickly is the story where, you know, the disciples were on the boat and, you know, they were out, uh, and then all of a sudden a storm came and, and they couldn't find Jesus. This is Matthew 14. Uh, Jesus was already in the mountain. He, he was away from everybody and everything. The Bible says he was there praying. Uh, he was resting, he was meditating. And then the storm rose and then he came out from the mountain experience and walked on the water to, to be with the disciples. And what you see is consistency in that. That, that Jesus constantly ministered and he got away. But what ended up happening, Pastor Young, is that as his ministry grew and it grew quickly, it, it made it more difficult for him to get away because the crowds would then begin to follow him to more places, which made it more difficult for him to rest. 
Right, and and we talked about this uh, uh, scripture just uh, when we opened up the show. The uh, previous caller may not have heard us deal with that, but when we were talking about Mark uh, chapter 1, where um, Jesus, the Bible says, when he went to Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house, and and the the Bible says the whole city was gathered at the door, and it said he slipped away a great while before day, uh, and he went to go and pray. And then when the disciples came to find him, uh, after he had healed so many, they said, hey, we need to go back. There's still some more people there that need to be healed and et cetera. And Jesus didn't say, hey, let's go back. He said, let's go over to the next town because that's what we're called to do. And so we as pastors have to understand that we're not called to do everything, but we have to understand what we're called to do and be comfortable with what we're not called to do and, and not try and shape shift what our call is because what other people think that we're supposed to be doing. And I'm telling you, you know, there are times that, you know, there, when, when you can hurt yourself by helping other people, uh, and, and, and even if it's a good thing, it isn't necessarily the right thing. Uh, Paul said all things that are lawful are not expedient. Hey, you know, at, as, as we're talking about this very quickly, what also comes to mind is that one thing that Jesus did in his ministry that was important was that often and early throughout his discipling process, he talked about the fact that he was going to leave. He, he made it known early. I'm not going to be here always. There are going to be times where I'm going to be gone. The disciples didn't catch his hints, but he told them, I'm not going to be here. And, and, you know, you need to develop yourself. And I wonder sometimes if, if, you know, we don't we don't give that sentiment ordinarily. You know, we, we give sometimes the other way that we are going to be here for you and we are going to be available. And I wonder sometimes do we do the congregate do we do the congregation a disservice by being so available because Jesus left it up sometimes to the disciples to work through their process. And that's how they grew in their faith and, and grew to come to know the Lord. But, you know, these, these are the scriptures that come to mind for the caller that uh, just called in and talked about, you know, the issue of balance. Uh, and so, again, thank you for that call. But we do have another caller on the air. Caller, are you there? I'm here. Go ahead and quickly state your comment, please. Uh, well, I, I, I hope I didn't. I'm not going to repeat some of the things that have already been shared. But uh, the scripture comes to mind when you think about uh, Moses when he was um, uh, over the children of Israel and his father-in-law came to him and told him that, uh, he could not take care of this 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 whole congregation of people on his own, and he told them that he ought to look out among them and find seventy men that were filled with the spirit and appoint them over certain matters. And not only that, but they had to also have the spirit of Moses that was placed upon them. And I think with pastors, one of the things that they need to do when they have associates and ministers that are there to assist them is to uh, tutor them in such a fashion that when they have to leave or take a vacation, that they have someone in place, not only that the congregation trusts, but that he has instilled it in the congregation to trust them. Because a lot of time when pastors leave, uh, the congregations uh, don't take to that, that associate that may be there in place that has gained their trust, but they become uh, dependent upon that pastor. I think it's important that the pastor uh, instruct the people to know that he's not in this by himself, that he has many capable men and women that are in place that are there to assist him uh, over matters, even if he's not in place. And I think the comment was made that good leadership is recognized not when you're there, but when you're not there. It shows what type of leader you really are. Very good. We appreciate the call. Thank you for the time. And, and Pastor Young, he did go to Exodus where it talks about Jethro, you know, the whole story. And, and Moses goes to Jethro. He's wore out and 
Jethro said, what you're doing is not right. And, and what, what the gentleman just said, and that is correct. The key to that verse, I think, though, is the fact that he says that you have to find people that have the heart like yours. And I think that that's where it starts to build trust with congregation in your absence. And you do have to find those individuals who not only have a heart for God, but who also understand ministry from a similar perspective as you do. I think that that also is very important for those who are associates or otherwise. But I do want to get back to the question I asked you before uh, we took the calls, and that is, is there something within our culture specifically where this expectation of pastors having to be present all the time, is, is it different in our, in our culture compared to other ethnic groups? You know, Pastor Swan, I think I'm in a unique position to be able to answer that uh, because the last church that I was a part of before starting Empower Believers was an all-Caucasian ministry. And uh, my family was the uh, one of two uh, African-American families there. And uh, they had several preachers there. However, um, uh, there was a great demand to have uh, me minister. Uh, they had two Sundays, and we had gotten to the point right before uh, I left uh, Empowered uh, to start Empowered Believers that uh, I would uh, preach. Uh, I, I was going to start preaching the morning service for a month, and the the senior pastor would preach the the uh, second service for a month, and then we would switch the following month. But I was going to preach every Sunday, and the thing that I thought was interesting is that though there were a host of other ministers there, none of them cared. You know, they they wanted me to. And I think what happens is that, that there is um, uh, more of a uh, demand for a theatrical kind of uh, 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 seasoning to the word that uh, our people are accustomed to. Uh, and, and when I say our people, I mean the majority of the African-Americans. Um, you know, let's just face it. You know, it's not just enough to teach them you know, with a very uh, thought-provoking word. No, you've got to shout. You've got to, you've got to make them uh, uh, want to pull their hair out and run all over the congregation and shout. Uh, or, or they just feel like it was okay. And so we have to teach, but then we have to preach what we taught because we have to inspire them to do what they're taught. And so I think quite frequently... Our personalities is what does that because, you know, unless you're being theatrical and doing, you know, no no disrespect to the bridge over troubled water and the lawyer in the courtroom and all like that. But that's not my personality. So so when I am excited, I express my personality and they get accustomed to my personality um, and, and, and vice versa. You know, I've, I've heard you scream and shout, you know, and so I could see people getting used to that. And so then when somebody else comes along and they don't do it like we do it then all of a sudden, even if it's just as good, it's not the same. And so we've gotten them so accustomed to, especially in the African-American community, um, we tend to be personality-driven as opposed to what Rick Warren talked about in his book, The Purpose-Driven Church and Life, uh, instead of being purpose-driven. So that's an interesting dynamic. So then that means that in some cases we're, we're hurting our own cause because our personalities, at least what you're saying is within our own culture, has more of a stamp on the congregation. And if you take personality away, because, you know, certainly churches and, and, and walking in faith is not about personality. But if, if it's just interesting that you said that coming from the church you came from, that, you know, you could preach a month in tag team with the senior pastor and you all could flip flop and everybody would be fine with that. I, I don't know if that w would happen <laughs> in, in the, uh, in May, 
But I don't know if within the African-American church, if people would be that accepting, okay, uh, unless that pastor had some measure of personality that, that people could identify with and connect with and say, yeah, this is, this is, uh, I can get with this for a month, but, but, but nothing more than that. So I do think we have another caller on the air. Caller, are you there? Yes. Go ahead and quickly state your comment, please. Yes. Just two really quick comments. One is the congregation needs to already on The congregation needs to remember that, um, pastors are human, not divine. And then the other thing is, it's the anointing that destroys yokes, and it's the anointing that um, holds the attention and 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 calls people to want to um, hear and 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 feed off of the word. So it does not matter who who's delivering the word if if the anointing is there. And I think that's what a lot of pastors are missing. You know, you and the pastor and the flock needs to search after the anointing of God. Because once the anointing gets in the pulpit, people don't see faces anymore. They hear a word and they move and they're moved off of that word. That's all I have to say. Okay. Thank you for the call. We appreciate the time. I I would agree, but I would think, I don't know if that's the general sentiment of an entire congregation. I think that caller has a more mature view about church uh, and about ministry because the reality is we know it. If word gets out that we're not going to be preaching on that Sunday, it's going to be a light number <laughs> in, in the house, regardless of who is up. Who it, That's just, at least in my experience, that that is how it is. Is that, work, is that where it is with you also? Absolutely, it is. And I think that, you know, one of the things that uh, 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 you and I talk about a lot, Pastor Swan, is that, any healthy church is always going to have an influx of people that aren't mature. And so if you got a church with all mature people, run, because those mature people need to be going to get immature people and bring them into the house. And so you've got to take as a given, if you're in a healthy church, that a great majority of the people that are coming in that door ought to be people that are babies and just don't know no better and don't have the mature mindset. And so the anointing manifests itself in different ways. And you're no less anointed if you aren't necessarily uh, as gifted to preach uh, uh, as another preacher. You may be a better teacher than than a preacher, and that doesn't make you any less anointed, but it, it people's attention span are different. You know, I'm, I've got a very short attention span. I confess that all the time to my congregation that, you know, I, I'll, I'll get distracted in a heartbeat. So the point is, is that if you've got the type of ministry that can grab somebody's attention by the vocal cords and, and, and hold on to it until the end of your message, then you're more likely to be a popular preacher. Uh, that's a sad commentary, but it's true. It is true. And and yes, anointing definitely plays a part, but skill also plays a part as well. And I think you have to have both to be equally effective. But um, maybe that is a conversation for another day because we are out of time once again. And I want to thank Pastor Barber for coming on earlier in the broadcast to talk to us from this perspective of being in ministry for an extended period of time and just how ministry has changed and how the demands of pastoring has have increased significantly over the years. And so thank you to all of the callers who called in. And so once again, we'll be back on next Tuesday with uh, another edition of the Pastor Study, a new topic, and hopefully we'll get more call-ins next week as well. So on behalf of Pastor Ray Johnson in his absence, Pastor John Young, this is Pastor Kevin Swan saying once again, be blessed and be a blessing to someone else. This is the essence of HU 88.1 WHOV.